This is the part of our time together where we're going to turn to the good book, or if I might say, the great book. And uh, so if you've got a Bible at home, either on your phone or, you know, the original book version, this is the moment for it. And we have been journeying now for, I think this is like session 10 or maybe session 12 of um, a series that we're calling the Prison Letters, which is Paul's, the Apostle Paul's letters from prison to his friends, the Philippians. And um, yeah, so he's in lockdown or, or, or a lockdown of sorts in prison. Uh, and we're just gonna read together. We, we've got as far as chapter three. So Philippians chapter three from halfway through verse four says this, he says this. If anyone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's our text for today. So I have a confession to make. I once slept the whole night in a public toilet. Um, I did, and uh, I feel slightly better, slightly lighter from getting that off my chest. The story is this, some friends of mine and I, we decided that we, were, we had a vision to uh, achieve going right to the summit of a particular mountain in Wales. The name of it escapes me now, but we had this vision, we were going for it, and so one morning we got up early, we had our packs on and all of that stuff, we climbed up, and the weather initially was glorious, but pretty soon as we got higher up, the weather closed in and it was howling a gale and it was um, like fo so foggy, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face and it was really damp. And so as we're climbing up, suddenly we realized with our, to our horror that we were completely lost. And we looked around for a while um, and couldn't really find our way. Eventually, like just for hours and hours and hours, we just kind of, it seemed like going round and round in circles uh, and we were horribly lost and we just got more and more exhausted. And then the light started to go and we were walking around in the dark. We hadn't planned to be walking in the dark. It was a really serious situation. And then just at the last minute, we saw a light and we kind of walked towards the light and it turned out it was like a group of scouts or something like that. And they were on a night hike and they could see that we were in a really bad way. And they said, well, where are you trying to get to? We said, we're trying to get to this mountain on the map. They said, you are nowhere near that mountain. You're on a totally different mountain. It was like, goodness me, how did this happen? And they basically carried our stuff for us. They took us back down the mountain. They took us to their minibus. They drove us to the local village. And, and we said, don't worry, leave us here. 
So we're in this village, it's like maybe just before midnight, there's nobody around and we thought, oh, we'll just go to the gents. So we went to the gents in this public toilet and as we looked at it, we thought, do you know what? Maybe we should just <laughs> sleep here. Oh, and like, I'll be honest with you, it absolutely stank. Mm. And the hard concrete floor was about an inch deep in, we'll call it water. It, it wasn't water, but it just, looks like, it just looked like the best thing we'd ever seen. And so we just literally went to sleep on the floor there. The next morning we woke up and we thought, I wonder what the ladies would have been like. And we went in there, it was like cut flowers, lovely neck curtains, <laughs> uh, you know, designer hand wash. And it would have been like so much better in there. But that is the story of my life. Now you might be wondering what on earth this has to do with anything. The point is, really the question that I want us to look at today is, which mountains are you trying to climb in your life? Like what, is, what are the goals? What are the, the objectives that we're living for? I think that this lockdown situation is allowing us time and space to reconsider everything. And if there's one thing that is getting kind of a giant question mark next to it in our lives, it's our goals. What are you living for? What are the objectives? What are the mountains in your life that you are trying to climb? I wonder where I am on my notes. Um, this moment in Paul's letter is the moment when he reveals the process that he's been through in this, in this regard. You know, he is someone who, he's, he's been climbing a whole load of mountains and then two things happen. The first thing that happens is that he has an encounter, a dramatic encounter with Jesus, which happens on uh, the road to Damascus. And he's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. And suddenly he meets Jesus. The other dramatic thing that happens is this lockdown that he's in, this, 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 um, this imprisonment that again is, is bringing clarity to all the things that he considered of value. And so he's kind of letting us into that, that process that he's been on. And in a way, he sees that he's been climbing the mountain of status. And he's been climbing the mountain of success. And he's been climbing the mountain of the approval of others. And he's been climbing the mountain of religious activity. And to his horror, he comes to realize that he's on entirely the wrong mountain. He doesn't want to be on that mountain anymore. He, in fact, he wants to climb an entirely different mountain. And the mountain is he wants to know Jesus. He wants the, the kind of the greatest ambition, the greatest hope, the greatest challenge of his life, the, the, the greatest objective is, I just want to know Jesus. So um, on, in verse eight, he says, I want to gain Christ. In verse nine, he says, I want to be found in Christ. And then in verse 10, again, he says, I want to know Christ. Friends, what if, what's that, what if that becomes our goal too? What if the one goal that we could set ourselves for this lockdown period, which is kind of lifting slightly, but not very much, and the greatest goal for the rest of our lives were to be not about trying to climb the mountain of success, 
or the mountain of approval, what if it was, do you know what, I'm just gonna make sure that the one thing that I do in my life from now on is develop a deep and rich, abundant relationship with Jesus. I just wanna know Jesus. Taryn and I had a sabbatical last summer after leading the church for 11 years, we uh, had, it was such a gift from you as a church, just enabling us to come away from the front line for three months and to just be refreshed and recharged and restored in God. And, and um, I'll be honest, the first days and weeks of the sabbatical were scary because I came to realize quite early on that I'd kind of, I was in danger of losing Jesus. It had been an amazing 11 years and so many brilliant things that had, ha had happened, but amongst it all, there was a sense that my relationship with Jesus had become a bit transactional, a bit distant, a bit like it was more about doing than being. But the beautiful thing, the amazing thing was that during the course of those weeks, when, when all the activity stopped and when the noise was silenced, I could hear Jesus and he was whispering into the center of my soul an invitation. He was kind of beckoning me towards himself. What if he's doing that for all of us during this lockdown? Once all the activity has certainly changed if not stopped. What is it he's inviting us into if it isn't a new, a fresh relationship with himself, to know Jesus? My friend Jim McNeish introduced me to this quote, which is from the Russian Orthodox priest, John of Kronstadt. And it says this, when you're alone and despairing and in your despondency, kneel to pray. Remember that the Trinity looks on you with eyes brighter than the sun. Don't you just love it? Maybe you've been following Jesus for many years. I can say something with some confidence that, that Jesus isn't longing for more of your achievements. He's longing for your affection and your attention. And the invitation to all of us is to take a step closer to him. Maybe you've never followed Jesus or you haven't followed Jesus for a long time. Actually, it is an amazing invitation that you can personally know the creator of the cosmos, your creator, somebody who knows you better than you know yourself. And you can step into a relationship with him that will change your life. And we're going to make an opportunity for you later on to do exactly that. That would be our privilege to lead you towards him. I love that moment in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 6, where Jesus has got his friends together and he says this, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's the invitation for all of us. Now, just as I'm coming into land, I think it's really important to notice that, that Paul isn't like 
wanting to know Jesus in some kind of abstract way, like, oh, I want to know the music of Cindy uh, Lauper or something like that. It's like, oh, I want to know something abstract. No, no, he, he, he wants a genuine, authentic, intimate friendship with Jesus. And the reason that he wants that is because it's so fruitful for him. And actually what he does is he gives us at least three compelling reasons why developing more intimacy with Jesus would be a a wonderful thing to do. And and, uh, I'm getting those from verse three. Verse three, he says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That's number one. And participation in his sufferings. That's number two. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. That's number three. Three compelling reasons for setting our sights afresh on Jesus. Okay, let's take those in turn. Number one, a formation in power. We had a bit of a situation here the other Saturday morning. We were having breakfast and um, there was a, a jam jar. And we all laughed when one of our kids couldn't undo the jam jar. And so they passed it on to the next kid who tried and couldn't undo it. And, and it was really, really funny watching everyone try and undo this jam jar until I couldn't undo it either. And then it wasn't funny at all. We are way more powerless than we think. We are way weaker than we think. We, we do the things that we wish we wouldn't do. And we don't do the things that we wish that we could or would do. Paul knows that one of the beautiful things that comes from a friendship with Jesus is a power that comes to dwell within us, a personal power. He's saying, I want to know Jesus because those who know Jesus get to know and experience the very same power that raised Jesus' body from the dead at work in our bodies too. That's a beautiful thing. Fresh grace, fresh strength, fresh power for every fresh challenge. The second thing uh, that comes from a friendship with Jesus is a fellowship in suffering. I used to get really confused about this particular verse because I I absolutely, I can't speak, absolutely get that Paul would say, I want to know the power of the resurrection at work in my life. Of course, uh, anyone would want to but he seems to be saying then and I also want to experience suffering with Jesus and and I was like why would anyone want that Um, but actually I think there are two things that we need to know before we come to that particular part the first thing we need to know is that unfortunately our translation at that point isn't especially helpful because it says participation in suffering Well, the Greek word that's translated there as participation is the Greek word koinonia which means fellowship. It means sharing. It means bearing one another's burdens. And so he isn't talking about participating in sufferings. He's talking about a fellowship that comes in the midst of suffering. The other thing to say is that the Apostle Paul isn't sitting in some ivory tower or some really easy genteel life and saying, oh, I'd like it if I could suffer a bit more, please. No, no, no. He is suffering. He's in the midst of pain and suffering and it's unfair and in the midst of that just darkness that he's told us all about so much already in the previous two chapters 
he's saying something really profound about Jesus' place in that suffering. He's in this place of pain and grief. And he's saying, I want to know Jesus because he offers me fellowship in that place. He shares my burdens. He heals my wounds. He's with me right there. And as Taryn said recently, you know, we, it is such a privilege as a pastor to be with people in the greatest moments of suffering in their lives. But so often their testimony is, Jesus is with me here. In fact, that's what the psalmist says, isn't it, in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You lay a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. So that was a fellowship in suffering. And the last thing is a future of hope. There's, um, there are some things in life you only get to experience once, aren't there? And one of those things is those birthday candles that you blow out and then they come back to life. Like once you've seen it once, you know what's going to happen, right? But for the first time, I can remember our kids when we got those candles, you know, and they, they kind of blow the candles out and suddenly they'd be like back to life. And the laughter, just the roaring with laughter that used to go on in those moments was so special. It's amazing. These kind of, the, the flame flickers and then dies and then suddenly reignites. And I'm sure that all of us wish that the same thing happened with human bodies, that the flame flickers and goes out and then just comes back to life. But actually that isn't what happens, is it? Bodies die and they stay dead unless Jesus intervenes. Ultimately, says Paul, the spectacular, miraculous promise that comes as a result of knowing Jesus is that we have nothing to fear in death, that there is life on the other side of death. And so he says, somehow, through knowing Jesus, I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. And I'm in. That's why when Paul says, when everything is said and done, all of those other mountains that I was climbing, all of those other objectives and goals that I had were really not worth a hill of beans. I want the genuine, authentic article. I want to live for something that makes sense. I'm going to make as my goal just knowing Jesus, deeply, richly, abundantly knowing Jesus. And I think that is what is being offered to us today. Let's pray, shall we? And so Jesus, we, we just want to say to you right now that we, we want to know you more. We don't want to be distant friends. We don't want our friendship to be transactional. We want it to be intimate. 
And so please would you come afresh to us and meet us, be with us. Jesus, we're sorry that we haven't always pursued you and that we've pursued a whole load of things that don't matter, but we want that to change. Amen.